the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Faith.com. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. These Galatians were running at a nice pace, making spiritual progress, and then the uh, Judaizers, the legalists, came in and said, oh, it's not just by grace. You've got to add some works to the Christian life. And they were hindered in their progress. They were slowed down by legalism. That's the emphasis there. Works are to salvation what thunder is to lightning, an inevitable result. Just as thunder does not generate lightning, our good deeds will not generate salvation. But on the other hand, just as you can't have lightning without the following thunderclap, you also can't experience the transformation of salvation without a change in your attitudes and behaviors. And those changes are a gradual process called sanctification that can be likened to an endurance race. The Apostle Paul often compared the Christian life to a long race, as did the author of the book of Hebrews. Our topic again today on Verse by Verse is the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is our teacher for these daily explorations of God's Word. A marathon and long-distance runner himself, Pastor Steve ministers at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He's been serving there now for over 25 years. Hebrews 11 is often called the faith chapter because it gives such a great overview of the heroes of the faith. Today we begin Pastor Steve's final message on the subject. We will spend the following two programs finishing it up. Even though chapter 11 is our main text, we're going to jump ahead a little bit right now to chapter 12. And here is Pastor Steve with our lesson. Years ago, in 490 B.C., a battle took place near the small Greek town of Marathon. The invading Persian army was caught by surprise by the outmanned Athenians who charged into into their ranks and saved the Greek empire. Now, legend has it that a Greek soldier by the name of Pheidippides was ordered to run to Athens and tell them the, the news of this great victory. His run of about 22 miles from the battlefield to Athens is considered to be the first marathon run. Now, unfortunately for Pheidippides, he wasn't as fit as many marathoners are today because after he entered Athens and proclaimed, Rejoice, we conquer, he collapsed and died. Legend has it. Now, I don't know if that story is historically accurate. I don't think anybody knows. It may be, but we don't know for certain. But I do know that running a marathon race is hard. As most of you know, this last year I trained and ran in the New York City Marathon on November 1st, and uh, you may never attempt anything as silly as that. But the Bible teaches that the Christian life 
is like a marathon race. Where does the Bible teach that? I'd like you to turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and in our ongoing study of Hebrews, we have come to this very important and well-known portion of Scripture. I'm not sure that it's well understood, but it is well known. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The writer says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I want us to notice a few things uh, uh, that will help put in perspective this portion of Scripture. First of all, the Bible, in a number of places, compares uh, the Christian life to a foot race, not just a marathon, but a foot race. And uh, one place that we know of this is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. If you can't get to these verses fast enough, just, just listen. Just write it down in your notes and listen. Paul writes, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way. Is not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, the emphasis in, in this portion of Scripture is the aspect of discipline. Discipline. Runners who win are disciplined. They work at it. It doesn't happen by accident. And so the parallel is effective Christians, those used by God, are disciplined. They, they have self-control. They are disciplined like a well-toned athlete. Now, Galatians chapter 5. Verse 7 is another place. And by the way, I'm convinced that if the Apostle Paul were alive today, he would read the sports page every day of the newspaper because uh, he had such an interest in, in athletics. He often speaks of running and, and uh, athletics and discipline. And so uh, Paul knew about the athletic games of his day. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. He writes, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, the emphasis here is on making progress. These Galatians were running at a nice pace, making spiritual progress, and then the uh, Judaizers, the legalists, came in and said, oh, it's not just by grace. You've got to add some works to the Christian life. And they were hindered in their progress. They were slowed down by legalism. That's the emphasis there. Second Timothy chapter 2 speaks of another aspect of the race. Second Timothy chapter 4, I should say, I said 2. Chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And here the emphasis is on finishing the Christian life well. What he means by this is I have been obedient to the, to the course that God set before me. I'm coming down the home stretch. I'm, I'm about to, to go and, and die. And I have finished my life. I have run the, the race that God had for me. Now, 
in Hebrews chapter 12, there's a different emphasis. And I want you to see these various portions of Scripture because he isn't just saying run. When he's saying run, he's saying there's a different aspect and a different emphasis in, in each race. And in Hebrews chapter 12, as you turn back there, the emphasis is different too. Now, he mentions finishing. And we'll talk about that. But that is not the overall theme and emphasis in Hebrews chapter 12. The main thought in Hebrews 12 is endurance. Endurance. In fact, the word race in verse 1 is the Greek word agon. Agon. And that sounds very similar to our word agony because that is how we get the word agony. Agon. Agony. The race he's referring to is not a short sprint. It's not a hundred yard dash or a hundred meter dash. It's not what he's referring to, but he's referring to an agonizing run. He's referring to a marathon, a run of endurance. And that's why he says that the race is to be run with endurance. In verse 1, he says at the end, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You really don't have to endure a 100-yard dash. It's not much of an endurance. It's not easy, but it's not much of an endurance run. In other words, we're not to give up. That's the thought here. We're to persevere regardless of the difficulties and the trials of life under agonizing circumstances. We are to continue with a firm commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, why would he, why would he say that? Because that is precisely what the Hebrews of the first century needed to hear because they were tempted to waver in their faith. Remember, most of these people, we believe that some of them were not, were not believers. There are warning passages that are too severe for, for believers. But most of these people had accepted Christ. They had come out. In fact, all of them had come out of Judaism. They had accepted Christ. But the Jewish community was putting incredible pressure on them to abandon their faith, to compromise. In chapter 10, he, and we've gone over this just about every week, so I won't repeat all of these verses, but he speaks about their suffering and the persecution. Some of them were thrown in prison. Some of them were mocked and ridicule publicly. Others had their property seized. And uh, some of them just said, we want to quit. It's not worth it. It's too hard for us. Our families are against us. Our friends have turned. Uh, they were probably outcasts of the synagogue. And uh, it's just too difficult for us. And so he says in verse 35 of, of chapter 10, therefore, do not throw away your confidence. This confidence you once had in Christ, don't throw it away. He says, which has a great reward. There is a reward. There is a future ahead. Don't throw it away now. For you, he says in verse 36, have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. You need to endure because someday the race will be over. And that's when you get the reward. That's when you get the prize. So don't throw the prize away now. Don't, don't lose heart. Don't give up. That's why as you look back at chapter 12, verse 3, at the end he says, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Why would he say that? Because some of them were growing weary and losing heart. As we will hear in a minute... Pastor Steve is not talking about losing and regaining salvation. The issue is the tendency we have to compromise from time to time. We sometimes want to rest from the strain of constantly resisting the world's pressure to conform to its system of thought rather than God's. Pastor Steve will be back to continue that thought after we briefly introduce ourselves and welcome those of you who just tuned in. If you missed the start of the program, you're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are glad to have you with us today. 
We're beginning a three-part message today, which is the conclusion of a series about the heroes of the faith, documented in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, let's return to class for some encouragement for those of us who may be getting a little tired of the long race that we're running. Here is Pastor Steve. So he's talking about endurance. Some of them started off well, but now uh, they were into the 15th mile of a marathon, and uh, it was tough. And, you know, we need to hear the same message because there are some people who uh, view the Christian life as a sprint. They get off to a, to a great start, and they make great strides quickly, but then, then things stop. Then things become a little tough. Then they maybe have some ridicule, and maybe God has a certain course for them that is not easy. And maybe they're called to suffer a little bit, and uh, they slow down, or they stop, or they compromise. And then they go to a, a, a weekend seminar, and they get pumped up again, and they sprint a little bit. And then they stop. Or then they hear a message in church and they do a little sprinting that week. And, and then they slow down and they collapse and they can't make it. And there are some people that are just up and down in the Christian life because they view it as a sprint rather than the way God presents it. And that is it's a marathon race. It is an endurance. God wants us to run steady and he wants us to endure and he will bring us to the finish line. Now, these Jewish people... We're getting weary in the Christian life. And there are times that you and I get weary in the Christian life. There are times when we feel like giving up. And I don't mean giving up for us in the sense of saying that we we will no longer acknowledge Jesus Christ because no true believer would ever do that. But but weary in the sense of... uh, of compromise and backing off, and maybe God has called you to some place like the mission field, and you say, no, I can't trust you for that, Lord. I've got all kinds of problems. Or maybe God has called you to be at a tough and difficult job situation. You say no, and, and you begin to uh, to think uh, in a secular way and not biblically, and you get your eyes off of the Lord, and you get your eyes on people, and you all, all of a sudden have have some serious setbacks in your in your Christian life, and you're not making the progress that you once were. And, and those those are, those are the wearisome times. Those are the times where, where you have given up and the times where you have lost heart. And, you know, there are times when missionaries, and we have many missionaries here this morning, when they get discouraged, and you need to know that, and the missionaries don't need to know that because they know they get discouraged. The trials of a lack of interest by fellow Christians, they're out on the field alone, and you know what? They haven't gotten a letter from home for weeks, months, and they wonder if anybody really cares. A lack of funds... Prices all over the world and inflation is soaring. There's the, the weariness of loneliness. There's no one to really open up to. You can't share with those you, you've been sent to minister to about your problems. You're there to help them in their problems. With their problems, there's a, a lack of responsiveness on the part of those they minister to. You've been out there for years and there's hardly any response. Or there was a response and now they're growing weary and that's all a burden to you. And then there are conflicts with, with fellow missionaries. You're sent to proclaim God's love to the lost, but you can't even get along with your fellow missionary. And there are discouragements of deputation. And there's conflicts with government officials and unbelievers and, and disappointments over carnalities and, and just a host of other problems that, that they might have just in the normal problems that we have with our families and other things going wrong and health and things like that. And there are times when, when each of us, missionaries and, and those of us who are not 
per se on the, on the mission field, grow weary and tired and lose heart and the pressures and temptations seem to overwhelm us and we honestly ask ourselves, is it really worth it to be sold out to Jesus Christ? And sometimes by our actions we say, no, it's not. Then what? Then what? If you find yourself today thinking, is it really worth it? I don't know. Then you need to really take, take a good, careful look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 3. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Because this passage, if you want to write this down, this is the theme, the message, the summation, the, the heart, the main thought of what the writer is saying. He gives us two encouragements to keep running the race, the spiritual marathon, when we feel like quitting. Now listen, there are plenty of times we feel like quitting. It's not wrong to feel like quitting. It's just wrong to quit. It's just wrong to quit. It's not wrong to feel like quitting. That's called temptation. We all at times feel like quitting and not being as sold out and not being as zealous and, and just sort of laying back and saying, why do I have to be on the front lines? Why can't I just be in the background? I mean, there are many times I've, I've wondered about that and, and wished for that. That's when I need to turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and, and look at it closely because in this passage, two encouragements to keep running the race when we feel like quitting, when the situation is difficult. Encouragement number one, when you feel like quitting and you feel like giving up and you feel like just slacking off, then remember the Old Testament heroes of faith. Verse one, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And the writer begins by telling us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. What is this great cloud of witnesses he's referring to? Well, uh, you see the word therefore or wherefore? It's connecting. It's connecting chapter 11 with chapter 12. It's the, he's talking about the heroes of faith. The people we've been, we've been studying. For about 10, 11 weeks, we studied the heroes of faith. What he's doing now is he's, he's looking back and he's saying, based on what I've just told you about these men and women in the hall of fame of faith, therefore, here's the application. That's what he's doing. These are the ancient champions of faith who, by their faith, watch this, persevered through all sorts of trials and difficulties in earlier generations. They ran the race. They ran their spiritual marathon, and they finished. They did it. They endured. They knew how to run the race of faith, like Noah and Abraham. They trusted God's word when they couldn't see the fulfillment of that word. But they believed God. Like Moses, they made decisions based on faith that resulted in hardship and suffering. Moses, who refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and threw in his association with the, the people of God, even though it would mean ill treatment, like Rahab, who believed God in spite of limitations, in spite of the fact that nobody else in her society did believe God. She dared to believe him and trust him, that God was true to his word, and she went against the whole of her society. These men and women ran the race and they finished. They endured. This cloud of witnesses, they knew how to run a spiritual marathon without quitting. They finished their race. Now the writer is saying, it's our turn. It's our turn. It's our turn to run. And these people offer encouragement to us to race without dropping out due to weariness. Now, the question is, how do they offer us encouragement? How do they encourage us to run? How do they motivate us and spur us on? And let me tell you a popular and rather common interpretation of this verse. 
Many have interpreted this verse, or I should say some, not not many. Some have interpreted this verse uh, as, as uh, they are saying that the people, Christians who have died or those who knew the Lord uh, died before us are, are in heaven now looking down on us. They're watching us. They're in, uh, they're in the stands in the stadium and we're on the field and they're spurring us on and they're saying, go run, finish your course. It's a nice thought. That's not what this verse is teaching though. It's not what this verse is teaching. Before I tell you what it's teaching, let me just answer what's probably going in, the question going on in your mind. Do people in heaven see us? Are they aware of what's going on? And my answer would be, we're not told. It's pure speculation. We don't know what they know. We don't know what they see. The Bible doesn't tell us, and anything you come up with would have to just be your opinion. They may very well see what's going on, but then again, they may not. We do know from the book of Revelation that they are gathered around the throne of the Lamb, praising Him. And just in my feeble way of thinking, if given the option, if I'm up in heaven, and given the option between looking at the Lord and looking at you, well, you know my answer. Though you're a nice group to look at. But we're talking about the Lord now, and I think every one of us would have to say, I'd rather look at the Lord. So... um, It's a nice thought. They may indeed look at us, but that is not what this verse is talking about. So what what is the verse saying? Well, first of all, these people are not spectators. The writer is not saying we have so great a cloud of spectators. He calls them witnesses. Cloud, by the way, means a crowded group. It just means a mass, a large host of people. That's what he means. These people are not witnessing what we're doing. That's not his point. They're not witnessing what we're doing, but rather are testifying. They're witnessing in the sense that they are testifying to us that the race of faith can be run and that God will see us through, that faith in God is worth it. They testify to us. They're witnessing by their lives from the pages of Scripture that you can endure because I endured, I made it. And God gave grace and strength for every kind of situation. And if I could do it, you can do it too. And they speak to us, though they are dead, they speak to us through the pages of Scripture. They made it through life's heartaches by faith in God, and we can too. God never let them down. He'll never let us down because the reason they made it was because of their God. And their God is our God. You can endure. You can endure through all the trials and difficulties of life, just like the Old Testament heroes did by faith in God. You can make it because these people were not super-duper saints. I don't know anybody who's a super-duper saint. They were ordinary people with failures and struggles. I mean, we spent 10 weeks going over them. I mean, good Rahab was a prostitute. And Abraham lied. And we know about Jacob and Isaac. And these men were just... People of clay, men and women, people of clay. If they could make it by faith, we can too. And that's what Hebrews chapter 11 is really all about. It's telling us that if God could empower and use those heroes of the faith who were really cracked clay pots, then he can do the same for us. We are cracked clay pots too. And God does amazing things through and for those who are completely sold out to him. On that encouraging note, we need to say so long for now. But there is more encouragement yet to come, so I hope you will be here with us for our next verse-by-verse radio Bible class of the air. Pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff is our teacher for these daily lessons. 
Since 1981, he has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries now makes his clear, expository teaching available to radio listeners. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their local church. Our website is versebyverseradio.org. It's the place to go if you would like to hear this program again or listen to previous lessons. Perhaps you have a friend who would like to listen but can't because of a schedule conflict. If they have a computer with internet access, the website is the solution. There's even a free podcasting service if you would like to hear all of our classes on your computer or MP3 player. We would also like to invite you to subscribe to our free newsletter while you're browsing our website. The address again is versebyverseradio.org. As I mentioned earlier, today's class was one part of a three-part message. We need to break them up into radio-sized pieces for broadcasting. But sometimes it's nice to hear the entire message all in one piece. The way to do that is to call us and order an audio CD or a cassette tape. Just give us a call at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. There is much more to running the race with endurance than looking at the great examples of Hebrews 11. You will remember that when Jesus called his first disciples, what did they do? They left their nets. Now that's a great picture. Most of us carry some baggage that hinders our spiritual growth and endurance. We need to disentangle ourselves from that. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.